this is week three of uh, my unshakable series. And uh, we're looking at how do we, in a world that is being shaken, how do we have an unshakable faith? How do we have a steadfast, resilient faith where we are bombarded, we are assaulted every day on our news feeds by trauma, by tragedy? on TV, on our phones, everywhere we look, every, everywhere we're uh, looking and thinking and listening, we're exposed to stuff that shakes us to our core. And it's not just the stuff out there. I know there's stuff inward, there's stuff on the inside. I know that there's, there's families still walking through grief and uh, there's families walking through uncertainty. There's, there's people struggling with where do I fit, who am I? There's, there's the internal shaking that goes on in life. Uh, and so how do we be anchored in that? That's what I want to talk about. And, uh, and I just want to ask Sue to come up. Sue had a coffee with me uh, just this week and she shared something I thought could be really helpful for us to understand, uh, for to think through, what do we do, where do we go when the storms of life hit? Thanks, Sue. Good morning. Before I start, I want to remind you in the Bible, it tells us to build our house on the rock. We all know that, and we know what the rock is. Well, the word house can be translated as heart as well, because it means home and the heart of the home. But, you know, when it says in um, the 23rd Psalm, of, you will live in the house of the Lord forever, we're living in God's heart forever. It's beautiful, isn't it? So, anyway, um, I had this word of a long time ago, and I felt now is the time to share it with you. I have shared it with a couple of people. Um, it's a beautiful day today, so imagine you're at a beach in Newcastle, all the people online, and the beach in Newcastle would have beautiful sand, and it usually has a rock face, um, a cliff face at one end of it. So um, in this picture that God gave me, he showed me that there's, we were standing on, on the beach, but everybody was wearing shoes that had really super strong grips on them and then suddenly the word came a storm is coming there were three groups of people he showed me the first group were the ones standing on the sand and then suddenly the sky went dark this happens in Newcastle by the way we get these subtly changes and then you get these great big storms so the sky went um, grey the big clouds came the waves whipped up and the waves were so big, they were overcoming the people standing on the sand. These people were overwhelmed by the storm. There was a second group of people standing on the rocks. And they turned and they gripped the rocks with their hands. And they were kneeling. They weren't using their shoes. Those people were battered by the waves, but they survived. They were survivors. A third group of people were standing on the rocks as well. And they weren't kneeling. They were standing. Their shoes were so gripped to the rock that they could stand and they weren't affected by it. And I found this was in Psalm 46. God is our refuge so we can get down on our hands and knees and we can cry out to God but we're so busy crying out to God that we're not hearing what he's saying, but he's still our refuge. 
he also, it says, he's our refuge and our strength. So he's our strength. When we can stand up and we know who we are, we know who he is, and he will tell us what to do in our storm. And further on in Psalm 46, it talks about be still and know that I am God. So that's the, the, the answer, isn't it? Just in those times when we're not in a storm, and the word know means to experience him. Now, I think it might have something to do with what we're going to do with lunch, hearing from Marie. Thank you, Marie. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Sue. So it's interesting, when we face the storms, where, where, where do you go? When you can, you can choose to remain on the sand and be overwhelmed. And, um, and it can easily happen to all of us, especially when we face so much stuff going on. Uh, or we can choose to take ourselves to the, to the refuge, which is wonderful, and God holds us and he keeps us safe. Or we can actually decide to stand and, uh, and, uh, and declare who he is to the storms and, uh, and stand in his authority and power. And so as, as I talk through uh, my, my final message on how do we respond to the overwhelming storms, I think that's a really helpful illustration that you might actually take with you and go, you know what? I need to re. I need to change my position. I need to change where I'm standing uh, when I look at it. Um, and so, one of the key verses that I shared in verse one, uh, sort of from week one, was found in Psalm 27, where the psalmist said, "I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living." And I've shared that it's so easy to, to despair. It's easy to give up. It's easy to throw in the towel. If we stop believing that God is good, if we stop believing that God's goodness will be manifest in my day-to-day -day life, if we stop believing that, then it's easy to despair, to give up. Um, see, if we find that hope and faith are connected. Hebrews tells us that uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for. There's a link between faith and hope. And so if, if the, I believe if the enemy can get us out of hope, that leads us to, uh, to get us, getting us out of faith. Not, not believing in Jesus, although I've seen that happen. I shared a story last week about uh, people that we know that have given up on faith because they're facing the storms and they've lost their hope. But, but when the enemy can get us out of faith, where we stop believing in God's goodness for us, we stop believing that we would see that what God wants to do in our day-to-day -day lives. We stop believing that God has good plans for you. Tell the person next to you, God has good plans for you. If you're sitting by yourself, I'll tell you, God has good plans for you. He does. And if we stop believing that, we can so easily think he's got no plans for us or bad plans for us, and we are, we are listening and believing to lies of the enemy. We've got, to stop, we've got to start believing that we have value and worth. And we need to be believers that believe for provision or breakthrough or, or God to, to meet us at our point of need. So last week we started to look at our priorities. We started a, a verse that we're so familiar with, uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. The question I'm asking is, what are we guarding? That's the question. There'll be three questions I'm asking. The first one is, what are we guarding? Uh, Solomon tells us to guard our heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And we guard what's important to us. 
we've got our, our, our home security systems, we've got our, our car security, we've got our internet passwords, we've got our face recognition on our phone, we've got all this stuff that we're guarding, we're guarding our identity, we don't want identity theft, we're guarding our finances, we're guarding our properties, we're guarding our, all this stuff we're guarding. And so, because they're valuable to us. And so Solomon says, above all that stuff you're guarding, above all that other stuff that is important, he tells us we need to prioritise and protect our heart. Uh, three quick thoughts there. Our hearts are a high-value target. Our hearts define who we are. Our, def- our hearts connect us to God and connect us to other people. Our hearts are where our, our dreams, our desires, our passions live. Our hearts are precious, priceless and valuable. And Solomon says, hey, hey, Hunter Christian Church, your heart needs to be top priority. You need to guard your heart. Number two, it, is, it, it affects everything we do. It's the source of everything in your life. When, 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 you're, when, you're, when you're a parent, you parent out of your heart. When you're in a relationship, uh, you, you, you do that from your heart. When you, when you manage your finances, it comes from your heart. Our words, our actions, our attitudes, everything start in our heart. And that's why we need to guard it. It affects everything we do. And the third thing is, it is under attack. Our hearts are under attack. The enemy wants to get us out of hope. So he can get us out of faith. And if you find today that, oh, I've written up there, to guard it, we need to be watchmen. Like what the watchmen on the walls would, would determine what comes into the city and what stays out of the city. We need to be diligent and diligent, diligent and vigilant. We need to be, I know it's easy to do. You do. You tell the person next to you, diligent and vigilant. It's not that easy, is it? Give me a break. Back off. Okay. We need to be on guard. We need to be intentional. And if you're here today and you're finding that your heart is being shaken, if you're here today and you're finding that you're losing heart, could it be that we've been distracted and we've allowed other things to enter in, other pursuits? Could it be we've been focused on other things? Could it be we've been thinking about so many other things that we failed to not just guard our hearts, but to guard our thoughts? Just a quick question. Is our air conditioning on cool? I've just got half our church using the platforms as a fan. Which is a great reminder for the platform. So if you, uh, perfect. Thank you, thank you, everyone. In fact, it's probably just Heather. So, but if you if, if you're here today and you're we've talked about the offering and you're thinking yeah, I'd like to be part of this, I just haven't got the capacity to bring something now. You know, there is a pledge form. You'd be welcome just to take that, pray about. And you can, although our offering finishes this week, you're welcome to slip that in the offering bag next week. I don't want anyone who wants to be part of this to miss out. Back on point. Thank you for that, Andre. All right. Okay, so um, we've got a part. The, the thought is we've got to partner with God in this. We can't do it by ourselves. We have a part to play in what guarding what comes in and what stays out. But like most things in our Christian journey, do you know God gives us the opportunity to partner with Him? you find it all throughout Scripture. God, God chooses to partner with us to do his plans and bring about his purposes in this world. And the problem is that we can't fix many of the things that shake us. We can't fix them. And and if we try to fix them, we will lose hope. 
We think we can do this ourselves, and it's exhausting. It's tiring to think that I can fix this problem by myself. It's like when, we, when I talk about the disciples in the storm, and they were experienced fishermen, and they, were, they would have tried to do all they could have done. We don't want to bother Jesus. He's having a nap. So let's, let's try to row stronger. Let's try to pitch our sails better. Let's try to get the rudder. And we, we can try all we want to do to try to fix it ourselves, but it wasn't until they called out to Jesus that the storm was dealt with. So, and, so when we face impossible situations, I'm reminded of what Jesus said uh, when he was challenged on this, because being a disciple is hard. Being a disciple of Jesus isn't just, well, things are perfect and rosy from here on in. We live in a broken, messed up world that's being shaken. And as disciples, we also live in that world. And when we face impossibilities, it reminds you what Jesus said, that what is, it is, what's impossible with man, impossible with man is possible with God. This also applies to our internal struggles, to our finances, to our relationships, to our jobs, to our health, to our future. You may be thinking of something and saying, Mark, what I'm facing is impossible. I'll take you back to the words of Jesus. And he says, what's impossible for you is possible for God. So according to Jesus, there are two postures you can take. You can, you, you can be with man, or you can be with God. And the, and the, and the gift God gives us to, to help us, remind us where we're positioned, is prayer. Prayer reminds me that I'm anchored with God. Prayer reminds me that the greatest desires that I have for my family, for my business, for my, for my grandchildren, for my marriage, for my friendships, prayer reminds me that no matter how difficult or impossible it seems, that God is with me and that God is for me. Prayer reminds when I anchor myself in prayer, I see if I if I choose not to pray, it's sort of like, well, I don't need God there. If you're if you're facing a situation and you're not praying about it, can I lovingly challenge you? Why? Are you thinking you can do it yourself? You might have limited success. That's exhausting. And if you fail, you're shaken. Prayer, the beautiful gift we have to walk in communion with God, reminds us that God is with me. Not only is He with me, He's for me. Everyone say that God is with me, and God is for me. Because it's easy for us to believe that God is with me, but if we don't believe He is for me, we can despair. We can, we can be shaken, oh yeah, God is with me, but He's not really for my health, or He's not for my marriage, or He's not for my kids, or He's not for my career decisions, or He's not, yeah, He's sort of around, He's with me, but yes, He's with you, but He's for you, He's, he's on your side. He's with me and He's for me. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippian church, and, uh, and he says this, he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, this is a key thought here, 
It's not about guarding our hearts and our mind. Remember, there's a partnership. We've got a part to play. We are the watchman. We allow what comes in and goes out. But also God has a part to play as well. And it says that God's peace will guard your hearts and your minds as we live in Christ Jesus. His peace. But it's conditional on something. It's conditional on us being in Christ. It's conditional with us walking with Christ. It's conditional upon us just living a life that includes Jesus in our world. When we are doing that, then his peace will guard our hearts and our minds. I want to go to the next two verses from Paul. And it continues to highlight this role of partnership. And uh, certainly his peace will guard our hearts and and our minds. But there's something else we can do to guard our hearts and our minds and to find peace. And the, the first question was, what are we guarding? The next question is, what are we consuming? Verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. This is like, here as Solomon sort of said, above all else, Paul's sort of doing a similar thing. He's saying, one final thing. This is really important, he says. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then, everyone say then. Amen. Then the God of peace will be with you. I know Adam preached a good message on this back in January last year, I think, or sometime the last year you did this one. Um, but it's so important to understand what are we consuming? See, our generation is in uniquely challenging times. And it's not, be, yeah, it's not because it's any more difficult today than it was before. The other generations, they've, they've had wars, they've had famines, they've had pandemics, they've had a whole range of things. Things have been difficult before. But one of the unique things about our generation is the amount of information that is coming at us. So the generation before, I remember, uh, I'm not the generation before, but, um, you know, but... The, the generation before Reverend Daniel. <laughs> they would wake up in the morning and a, a newspaper boy would throw the newspaper on the front lawn and their news consisted of going to the front, getting their newspaper. Who remembers these days? Yeah, I'm talking about your generation, all right? So, <laughs> Jack, did you put your hand up? I'm not talking about the junk mail, I'm talking about real newspapers. <laughs> But that, that, and so they'd read the newspaper and they'd say, and, and that would be the, usually the extent of the information that comes their way. Maybe they'd then turn on the news at night and then Brian told me, would tell me. Um, uh, what, and, and typically back then, who remembers that when you could trust the newspapers? Remember when you can actually believe the news that, that came out? Do you remember? Andrew, have you got some chilling, chilling? But typically, back in the day, back in that day, that was the extent of the information. Maybe your radio, maybe your late night news. There wasn't a lot more else back then. Today, before we get out of bed, and I sadly do, which I'm not happy about, I consume more news than others have in a week. Newspeak. Gaza. Man alive. 
Somalia, Oof. Russia, Ukraine, North Korea. I mean, I could sing the Billy Joel song again. But there is so much information that is just coming at us. And I tell you what, our interest rates, there's, there's another good one. That's a happy one, happy thoughts. We are facing more bad news. The amount of it is just hitting us. 24-7 social feeds, our, your, your, your Instagram feed or your Facebook, whatever you're consuming, all these things are hitting you and bombarding you. And, and if you're not careful, they are going beyond and, and settling in your heart. And you know what? It's not good news. The majority of the news we're consuming is heavy. It's hard. It's bad. It's evil. It's tragic. It's disturbing. It's distressing. It's untruthful half of the stuff. So, we, so where do we go? What do we do with all this stuff that is coming in? And then we're receiving information about earthquakes and famines and, and murders and wars and, and it's coming and it's coming and it's coming and we're reading and we're looking and, and for some reason it's strangely attractive to many people and we're, and we're consuming this and we're thinking about this. Then we're heading down conspiracy rabbit holes Then we're heading down, and our minds are going in all sorts of different directions and is it any wonder that we're shaken on the inside? Is it any wonder as Christians that we are processing more than we were ever called to process and we are meditating on the wrong things? Is it any wonder that we are starting to get a little bit unsettled? The problem is we are not designed to handle this much information. We are not designed to handle this much trauma. And we get addicted to it. I don't know how many times. I check my news feed. Anyone else like me? Let's be honest. Anyone else checks their Apple news feed? No. All three of us. All our Android news. The rest are heads go up. Okay. As, as, as your son would say, he'd just say, be better. That's right. So, isn't it? If it's all this same, and then you read the same article five different times from five different service providers, and they're all AI driven. Bots, and we're consuming, it and you're thinking halfway through. I've read this before from somewhere, and it's been regurgitated, and it's being spat out, and we're still interested, and we're still consuming, and we're still starting to believe something. Truth or lie, we don't know. Is it any surprise then when we don't have faith, or we're losing hope, or we're losing heart? Now, is it possible that God gave Paul? 2,000 years ago when he wrote a letter to the church in Philippi, a strategy. See, if we're going to stay in the place of faith where God needs us to be, I think we need to be strategic in what we fix our thoughts on. We need to be strategic on what we're consuming, and what our minds are consuming, what, our, what we're allowing into our mind gate. We need to be strategic in the movies that we watch, in the books that we read, in our mindless scrolling through through our social media. See, those things can destabilize our thinking. They can destabilize our heart. They can maybe even destabilize our faith. This is challenging. Who finds this challenging? This is really challenging. <coughs> Who is in control? 
Are you in control of what you consume? Are you in control of that? Can you say, look, I am, I am the guardian of my mind, I'm a watchman of my mind, and I'm determining to only allow what is good, and what is true, and what is right, and what is worthy of praise and honourable. Uh, could it be that, uh, how are you doing with that? If you're not too sure about who's in control of what you consume, ask your spouse, if you have one. Ask your friend. Ask, ask your parents. There you go. There's, some, there's, there's, there's a tip for all of you from that side. <laughs> parents have some good thoughts, some good ideas. Who agrees with that? Yes. yes. Yeah, all the parents' hands go up. Yeah. I'm just saying. We think we've got it under control. Maybe we don't. And maybe we just need someone who loves us enough to say, you know what, I think you might be consuming too much stuff. That is not good for your mind, it's not good for your soul, and it's not good for your heart. What are we guarding? What are we consuming? My third one is what are we carrying? Back to one of the verses Paul said, he says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Are we really meant to pray about everything? I mean, there's a lot going on. True? And I reckon you would be praying, there'd be too many hours, in the, not enough hours in the day to pray about everything. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of injustice. There's a lot of wickedness, there's a lot of trauma, there's a lot of pain, a lot of grief, and it's all coming at us. And how am I going to pray for all of that? Do I really have to care about all of that? What is, what is Paul saying there? Do I need to care and pray about everything? I don't think, I don't think so. See, I think we can feel the need to care about everything. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I care about what's going on in the world. I care about what's going on in, in Gaza in Palestine, in Israel, in Russia, in North Korea, in Somalia. I, in case you didn't know, there's a flood in Somalia. I, I, I care about, but Mark, what am I going to do? What am I supposed to do with that? Not only that, this last week, I care about the fact that, that a family kids were killed in car accidents. I've got, at least it's just this just this week in the love in, in, in Victoria and New South Wales and Queensland, I think about ten kids have been killed in car accidents. I care about that, but what can I do about that? This is the challenge we face is there's so much stuff. Am I supposed to deeply care about all that? I do care about all some of that. I do care. But the enemy can weigh us down by and, and can distract us by and because there's too much to pray about, and so we just go, mm, God just sticks it all up. I'm getting somewhere with this. Because I don't want us to be paralyzed by the enormity of the needs around us because it's coming at us and we're seeing it on our knees. There is need, no doubt about it. We can care about these things, but we don't have to carry them. This is really important. We can care about these things, but we don't need to carry them. Because the reality is, you can't carry everything. You can't carry it. 
You can't fix everything. You're not meant to. You can't even pray about everything. It's a heavy yoke. If you try to live a life that is trying to deal with the stuff that is coming at you, it is too heavy. And you are not meant to carry it. The Apostle Peter would say, give all your worries and cares to God. Your translation could say, cast your burdens onto Jesus because he cares for you. The song we, we often sing reflects this. It says, I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let all, let all go. Yeah, I see it now. I'm laying it down and I know that I need you. Jesus would say in Matthew, he would say, come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. We're so restless. With all this, if we're not guarding our hearts and our minds, we can be so restless. Jesus goes on to say, my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. See, when we take on all the cares of the world, all, all the stuff that's going on around it, it is too heavy. And Jesus comes and invites us to, to lay down all the stuff that's burdening you. All the weight and all the trauma and all the pain and all the distress, he says, come and lay, come and exchange. Exchange it from his light, his light burden. And a thought I want to end with, that means there's five to ten more minutes left, just sort of say. <laughs> if we get the team up even then, then there's an extra ten minutes attached to that, so team can stay down. All right, you're welcome. Um, we are all designed to carry something. We can't just say, Jesus, take it all, and I'm going to sit back and cruise all the way. Jesus says, take something from me, take his yoke, his burden. There is something of his that we're called to carry. There's lots of stuff we're called to let go of and to lay down. But we're all designed to carry something. We all have a God-given mandate. We all have a, an assignment and a calling. We've all got a burden to carry. Certainly that includes our, our relationships and our family and our marriage. It could be your career or your business. Like you could have a passion for social justice. I mean, uh, I think of Ash and Jack and their role in East Timor. And when we catch up, we'll get to talk about it later. But we've all got burdens that God gives us. Some things we're called to carry. Some things we're called to not, not carry. Perhaps you've got interest in social justice or, or dealing with poverty or, or preaching the gospel or, or you're wanting to find, help people find healing and hope. Or perhaps God's called you to be a, a to bring creativeness into this world where, where you touch heaven and you and you bring this creative life and power to shape and craft culture. We've all got a part to play in God's plan. Perhaps, perhaps God's helping you to help explain complex things into simple things. Perhaps God's burdening you to, to help provide people practical skills for life. Just practical things, budgeting or, or planning or thinking or organising or parenting. What is it that God is calling you to carry? 
But it's not everything. If you try to do everything, you'll be exhausted. Because you're carrying a burden, a responsibility that's not yours to carry. And we're part of a community called a family. And if we can all understand together, we can together carry the weight of the responsibilities around us. Now, I'm not talking about your job. I'm talking about what are you called to carry? What dimension of the kingdom of God has God uniquely shaped you to show? Your job may line up with that, may not line up with that. What attributes of the kingdom and what attributes of the king are you called to show at school or at uni or work or when you're, when you're talking with people and you're at a coffee or you're at the beach or you're, I don't know, or you're teaching or you're doing an horse program or you're, or you're retired? Hallelujah. <laughs> Even if you're retired, in fact, more so, it doesn't matter. I'm not talking about your job. I'm talking to about what element of the kingdom are you uniquely called to represent? On this earth? Is it God's creativity? Is it, is it the goodness of God? What is it that God wants you to do and show and be in this world? I don't care about what job you have. Find a job that you like, have it pays a lot of money, that doesn't matter. But in the end, what dimension of the king and the kingdom are you called to carry and bring and be? That's the question I have. Because while you, if you haven't got hold of that, everything else will overwhelm you. It will. Everything else will, will distract you. Am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? I don't know. Am I supposed to pray for this or pick this up? I don't know. But I want to encourage you get with God. Take time with God and say, Father God, what is it that you have. Don't, don't make it so too complex because you'll be too hard. But what, how, how can I reflect you wherever I am and bring your kingdom to earth as it is in heaven? If you don't know, get some time with God. If you don't know, get a, catch up with your friends. Or you connect with with or, or book an appointment with our pastoral team, or, or talk to your parents, or, or talk to your brother or your sister or someone, but do not, do not just say, I've got no idea. I know many of you don't, and I think it's important that you do. I'm not talking about your job, because that, that can freak you out. I'm talking about what are you called to uniquely represent of the king and the kingdom in whatever job you have. Don't carry what God is not asking you to carry. Don't be burdened by the things that are not in the race that God's called you to run. Bottom line, we are living in a world where everything is being shaken. Assaulted with bad news 24-7. It's heavy, it's dark, it's hard is disturbing and distressing. And people all around us are losing hope. They're losing heart. They're losing faith. And as, a, as Christians, as a church, we are called to be a beacon of life and hope and strength for our city. We're called to be that now. And that's why we need to be unshakable. People around you are looking for an unshakable faith. They may not even believe in your faith. They may not even agree with your approach to, to what, what religion, but they are looking for an anchor points. They are looking for a people of hope. And could it be that, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful if, if the people that we bump into in our day-to-day -day lives 
that, that, that they would walk away from us with hope. We need to be unshakable. So the questions I ask are, are what are we guarding? I'll do the three questions and I'll come back to number two. What are we guarding? Hearts? Minds? What are we consuming? Maybe we need to change some things at home. Maybe we do need to change some, some, some of the, the feeds you read or the amount of... I'm not talking about cancel Netflix, although there's not much on it at the moment. I'm not talking... It's not about the... It may, it may require that. I'm just saying, go to God and ask Him, what is it that is, that is polluting me or distracting me or filling my, my, my heart and my mind with just stuff that is not what I'm meant to be carrying. That's not what I'm meant to be walking in. What are you consuming? Could be strategic in that. What are we carrying? Are you, have you got an understanding of what's important to God? And can you align your heart with that and trust Him as you walk there? Jesus said, you know, um, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. My, my, my paraphrase is that He will sort out the details of your life. I like that one. So my prayer for us is that that people all around us will run, that when we run into them, when, we, when they encounter us, they will encounter a people with unshakable faith, a people who believe in a good God, a people who believe that God is able to meet them and help them and bring breakthrough where they're at, a people who believe God is who they say, who He says we are, a people who, who believe in God's nature and character and His goodness, and that people will leave from us enriched, empowered, feeling loved, feeling peaceful, feeling strengthened, not, not by us, but by the overflow of heaven in us to them. That's my prayer. And that's why we need to be unshakable. This world's going to get more shaky. I'm not being a prophet of doom. Things, are going to, things, things, things can come, there's cycles, there's seasons, there's storms. And I think back to what Sue was saying, where are you going to be? In that place? Are you going to be one who's overwhelmed by the storms? Are you going to be one of the ones just hanging on to Jesus? Thank you, dear Jesus. Allow me do. We, we hang on to him as our refuge, and that's a wonderful thing, but here's more for us. Are we going to be those who stand up, unshakable, and speak and bring life and bring hope to those around us? That's your choice. Why don't we stand together? I'm going to pray. Then we're going to be done. I am going to get a team up just because we're going to get a bright song and then we're going to finish on praise. Just because everyone needs to wake up a bit. Um, let's pray. Let's uh, shut our eyes if you want it. If you don't want it, just don't get distracted. That's why we shut our eyes because we don't want to get distracted. So I'll keep my eyes open because I need for a response. It's nice, babe. You got this, Joe. <laughs> Father God, I just thank you that you've called us to be a people of faith. And Lord, I pray for every single one who has been part of this series or catching up online or watching online or podcast. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to understand who you've called us to be and why you've called us to be there. Lord, I pray that you help us to be a people of unshakable faith. 
resilient and strong partnering with you. Understanding that we've got responsibility to guard our heart and to guard our minds. And also we've got responsibility to determine what we carry and what we drop and what we, the, the stuff that fills our life, the stuff that is meaningful and worthwhile and the stuff that is just dross, the stuff that is just filled, the stuff that is just unnecessary. Lord, help us to be a people that stand strong. Help us to be a people that are anchored in you. Help us to be a people that are, that are passionate to pursue the king and the kingdom. Lord, help us to be a people that when people encounter us, they encounter you in us. That's the type of person I want to be. Who else wants to be that type of person? A resilient person of unshakable faith. And so, Lord, I want to declare that over our church this morning. I declare that through the power of your spirit, through us partnering with your work, Lord, that we would be people who stand on the rocks and we, and we speak to the storms and we believe in a good God and we believe in your power and your healing and your grace and we believe that you love us and you care for us and we believe that you greater are we because, uh, because you are for us and not against us. That, Lord, that we believe in what your word says and your strength and your power that's available to us today. Help us be that type of people, Lord. Help us not to be a people who pull back and, and shrink back. Help us not to be a people whose confidence is shaken. Help us to be a people who stand strong in the Lord and in the power of His Word and the power of His might and His strength. And Lord, I pray that you help us to be those people because those outside the walls of this church are in need of you through us. And Lord, we need your help. And I thank you that your help is available through your Spirit in us. So we want to glorify you this morning. We love you, Lord Jesus. And I pray that we would be those type of people in your precious name. Amen.